We're in this series that I mentioned earlier called Change Your World. And obviously when we start talking about changing your world, we've learned in in last week's that that faith, a a genuine authentic faith can do, do wonders in changing our world. And we talked about that. And then we talked about last time, well, it was on Easter Sunday, and it was just an appropriate time to do that. We talked about forgiveness. And forgiveness, the power of forgiveness is amazing in changing our world. And, and it really can. And we, can, we talked a lot about that. I even heard some stories from you all afterwards, which was encouraging. Well, today we're talking about the power of money. Because much like forgiveness, much like money, this is one of those things that can have dramatic effects upon people's lives, mine as, and yours, and, and in different ways, uh, a lot of other people as well. And so one of the things that I want to just stop and get you to think about is just think about how your world can be changed when, we, when you use your resources properly. Um, and obviously my question, the power of money to, be own, to own or be owned, that is the question. And I'm going to start off by just saying, we're going to see one of the clearest ways for you to know whether you're owned or whether you own is how willing you are to give it away. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about. And uh, for those of you visiting with us, as Steve already mentioned, this isn't a normal sermon or a normal talk that we do. We don't, we honestly, we honestly, I believe this. It's taken me a lot of years to believe this. We honestly don't probably talk about this enough. But here's what I want you to think about today. I'm going to say this line several times, but I want you to think about it. Just think, just think about what we can accomplish. There's a lot that we can accomplish, and I want you to think about that. Um, Because here's my point, and I want to talk just for a couple of minutes. It's going to seem like I'm off the subject, but I'm not. It's very closely connected. I want to talk just for a minute about church. I'm pretty passionate about church in the proper context. I've really committed my life, education, and uh, everything else, family, to church. And I believe in church. We've had a few fights over the years, church and I. Gotten a few black eyes a couple times. Gotten a few bloody noses, so to speak. But I believe in church. And let me qualify it by saying this. Church, when done properly, is the great hope for mankind. I believe that. Because that's, that, that is the means by which we're going to hear the message of Christ. Church, when done properly, the, 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 the dirty shame of it all is that so many times it's not done properly. We're not the only ones that are doing it right. Let me just say that right now. We're not the only ones that are doing it right. And we're not perfect by a long way. And we're still working on some of that. Okay? But when it's done properly, there's no better place. It's a place where lives can be put back together. It's a place where people can come and, and search and, and find meaning sometimes and find inspiration when done properly. It's a place where people can get connected or in some cases reconnected to their faith. Church, when done properly, it's, it's the great hope for mankind. It's a place where people can have the freedom to ask some of the hard questions of life. Some... Churches, church in general has kind of tried to poo-poo that a little bit in the last couple of centuries. Can't ask this, can't ask this, can't ask this about God. Let me tell you something, we can ask whatever we want to ask. And we can be authentic and we can be honest about that. God's big enough to handle that. Church is a place that should be balanced with joy and, and fun. 
and yet serious about a relationship with Christ. I had one of those moments the other day. I was, you know, I was downstairs in Winberries, which is where Winberries, for those of you, you know, it's kind of like our fellowship hall, if you know what that is, you know. <laughs> Only it, it comes more equipped and you've got to pay for your own stuff. But I mean, uh, yeah, how many fellowship halls have a bar? I mean, you know. Um, so, so anyway, I was down there and somebody said, oh, somebody introduced me to somebody else. You're the pastor upstairs. He's the pastor upstairs. I said, oh, yeah, I heard there's a church up there. I heard that was the happy church. <laughs> and, I, and at first I was like, I'm not really nuts about that. I'm not too, you know, I mean, I'm shallow, but maybe not quite that shallow. And, 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 and I just said, yeah, well, now how did you get that impression? Well, I just heard you guys just really have a lot of fun up there. And then I, then I reflected and I stopped and I said, no, that's okay. That's okay, as long as we don't take that too far, as long as there's still some seriousness about what it means to know who God is and what Christ has done for us, uh, and so forth. And sometimes we miss that. Sometimes the church, particularly in the last few hundred years, we're talking hundreds, uh, it has just really gotten crazy. You know, serious and somber and, and, you know, everybody shushing everybody and the whole thing. I don't think God's like that. I know Jesus wasn't like that. So it's a church, when done properly... It's the last great hope for mankind. It needs to be balanced with some joy and some fun and yet serious about a relationship with God. It's a place where there is camaraderie realizing that we're all on our own individual journeys of faith. Someone may be here. Someone else may be here. Someone may be stepping back and still trying to figure out if they even want to start on this journey. But they want to be in a place where they can start thinking about that. This, that's what church should be. So too many times that doesn't happen. And what I want you to see, and we talk about can we change our world, and we talk about the power of money, and we talk about whether we're owned or whether we're whether we own or whether we're going to be owned by our money. One of the clear evidences of that is whether or not we're willing to give it away. And one of the places that we need to be willing to give our, our resources away is a place that will definitely be a place that will be a great hope. For mankind. Jesus, of course, is the ultimate hope. And I'm making the assumption here that the church is going to reflect that truth, which we seek to do here. Just think what we can accomplish when we do that. So here's what I want to do. I want to just go through this thing on, on just, I want to talk about if you're willing to give away what you do have. How much should that be? What should that be my attitude? And, and what does that involve and so forth? I just want you to think along these lines with me. I don't, I don't talk about this very much. And, and I, think I've, I think I've earned the right to do that. And, and just so you know, if you're visiting with us, uh, you can listen. You don't have to listen. I'm really doing this more for those who've, who've been here more than once, um, just to kind of get you an understanding of where we are. And I want you to do it all under this, all under this guideline of just think what we can accomplish. Just think what we can accomplish. There's not a lot of places like this church in our area. There are a few, but not a lot. And people need a place where they can go and, and, and ask those questions and do all those things that we talked about. And that's one of the reasons that you need to stop and reflect and think about, what am I going to do? How am I going to be a part of that? So here's what I want to do. And this, this, some of this will be information. Uh, hopefully some of it will be used as motivation. But uh, whatever it is, I just hope that you'll kind of give it some thought. I'm going to talk about what we're to give first. What does the Bible say? What we're supposed to give? It's always an issue. How much am I supposed to give? Am I supposed to give 
10%? Am I supposed to give 20%? Am I supposed to give uh, net or gross? Am I supposed to do this? I mean, it's really, it's really a big issue. Some, some, if you've been raised in certain churches or have heard of some churches, they say, well, you should give a tithe. You should give a, a 10%. Okay, what does that mean? Is that 10% of growth, 10%, you know, 10% of gross, or is that 10% of, of net, or, or, or how does all that work? So let me just give you some history on this stuff and uh, get you to think about it. And in the end, you're going to be asked to pray about it when you leave here and do whatever you can do. And hopefully that's not just this Sunday. I hope that's going to be every Sunday. So here you go. And I, I, I started to say this a minute ago. If you're, if, you're, if you're visiting with us, we don't do big pressures here. We don't say, okay, before everybody leaves, they've got to make a pledge. We have a pledge cards in the back, and we're always really welcome to take. That helps us plan. Some people don't do pledges. They just give. That's okay, too. Um, so that's, that's, we're leaving that in, in, your, in your hands on that and, and so forth. I don't know. I know very little, actually, about who gives what. The only ones I know have some good friends. And I know what they do because they use some oftentimes, this has been this way throughout my life as, as a minister. There's always been a few good friends that I've had who would just hand me a check or whatever. So unless somebody wants me to know, I don't know. And I certainly don't go checking. And, uh, and that's, that's the way I prefer it. Um, so how much, what are we supposed to give? You know, what, what are we to give? Some say a tithe. Where does that come from? Let me give you some, real, some, some thoughts about this. Uh, in Leviticus. 10% was to be given to the priest. Leviticus, you can read it in 27. All these notes will be in the, uh, up on the web tomorrow under message notes so uh, that you don't have to worry about writing it down now. Levit- Leviticus 27, 10% is given to the priest. Every year, it says give a tithe. The priests were basically the pastors, the ministers, of, uh, for lack of a better term, at that time. One little caveat to their system in those days, they had what we call a theocracy. Theocracies are pretty cool because in theocracies, the clergy run the country, which is, you know, I, I got a laugh from somebody. And uh, um, it would be okay if it were the right clergy. Um, it would be okay if it were me. There's some other ones I'm not too sure about. Um, anyway, that was, so that's, that, was, that was one little caveat, one little difference there. Leviticus 27, 10% goes to the priest, right? And then, and then Deuteronomy chapter 12 through 19 talks about it again. It talks about a tithe, a, ten, a tenth, 10% is to go of their giving, of the, of the people of God, of the Old Testament, the Jewish people. 10% was to go for national, Jew, national feasts and holidays, the Jewish feasts and holidays. And then you would have in there the Passover, and you would have in there the, the Festival of the Trumpets, for instance, the Feast of the Trumpets, and they have different holidays that they celebrate in the Old Testament. Some Jewish people still celebrate them today. And at that time, everybody would give to a sort of corporate fund, and they, they would take the day off or the week off and have a big party and be paid for by the government because you'd been given 10% a year for that. So, here we go. We got 10% for the Levites. We got 10% for the National Feast of Holidays. Where I come from, that's 20%. I didn't go Ivy League, but hey, there you go. Uh, that's 20%. Now, the one third thing, the third thing, Deuteronomy again, 12 through 19, 10% every three years for the poor, according to the Old Testament. So now all of a sudden we have 23 and a third percent. So you say to me, do you want me to tithe like they did in the Old Testament? And I say to you, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. 23 and a third percent right off the top. No questions asked. I'm a happy camper, okay? Now, here's, here's the thing we need to understand. The Old Testament teaching on giving is very simple. Let me show it to you. It's in Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with, all your, with your wealth, with the best parts of everything your land produces, then He will fill your barns with grain. Watch this part. He'll fill your barns with grain. Watch. 
and your vats will overflow. You're going to have good wine. How about that? The promises in Scripture. You say, wow, will it be, you know, Greg Norman wine? That's my new favorite. Um, or, 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 or what will it be? You know, hey, it's going to be good wine. Here's the issue. Here's the point. The Bible teaches in the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 3, very clearly, we're to give out of our wealth. He doesn't attribute it to a percentage. The percentages that we have come up to 23 and a third percent. So think about that. By the way, while we're at it, let's look at what the New Testament says about giving. How much does the New Testament say we should give? Let me show you this one. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. This is just one of many. Now about money being collected for the Christians in Jerusalem, you should know the same procedures I gave to the churches in Galatia. On every Lord's Day, on Sunday, each one of you should put aside some amount of money as far as you've prospered, some Bibles read, in relation to what you've earned, and save it for the offering. Don't wait until I get there, and then try to collect it all at once. Here's his point. On the first day of the week, you have money set aside to give what you, as to how you have prospered. Now, you say, okay, um, it doesn't give us a percentage again. No, it doesn't. And does that mean I have to do it every Sunday? No, get the spirit of what he's saying. For some of us, it might be the first day of the week because we get paid every week. For some, it might be a month. For many of us, it might be at the end of the year when the bonuses come, I figure out this is what I need to set aside for God. This is God's money right here. All right? And you say, okay, that's a, then should I start with 10%? That's a good place to start. I know people who give 10%. I know people who give 20%. I know, I know some people who give a lot more than that. Granted, they make, they make a lot of money, but, but they give a lot more than that. There's one church that I pastored that wouldn't be there if one guy didn't give almost 50%. Granted, we've got to keep it in perspective. We've got to understand his 50% to live on is more than a lot of people's 90%. But you understand my point. And, and, you, and you need to see that. So now, And then people always get into, well, is it? And that's the whole thing. Here's an interesting little, I looked up some statistics this week. I was just thinking about this. And... Uh, you can put a website up that will be up on uh, Action Steps tomorrow that you can check this out too. Average church growth. This is the average Protestant. Okay? I'm sure you Catholics are much better than the, than the Protestants. The average Protestant today will give about $17 a week. Well, let me help you with that number. We're not going to be here very long if that were to happen. Okay? Um, not under the... Not, not anywhere. Okay? Interesting numbers that I also found on, on, uh, on online. Average churchgoer today gives something in the area of 3.5% or 3.6%, I think. And they, and they did a survey from there. They just did a little study on the way, all the way back. Do you realize? I'm sorry. It was 2.5%. 2.5%. And, and, then, and then they did a, a study from the 30s. And in the midst of the Great Depression... People were giving, in the midst of the Great Depression, people were giving 3.5%, almost a full percentage point more than what people give today. That's not good. That's not good. So you say, okay, you're trying to talk me up to 10%. I'm trying to talk you into doing what God leads on your heart. And I'm suggesting you talk to your mate and you pray about it. And I'm suggesting that a large share of that go to the place that helps you the most, which I'm hoping and praying will be Renaissance Church. If you want to give some other places, God bless you. So you say, if it's 10%, is that gross or net? Yeah. Start with wherever you want to start. 
Okay? I, I, we're not going to sit here and argue gross or net. Uh, I realize that's significant in some places, but, you, you know, that's... that's start, with, start wherever you feel comfortable. I will tell you this, and we did this thing, we did this thing last year, almost a year ago, we called it, we called it um, chapter two, and some of you were here for that. And in chapter two, what we did was we basically delivered the message that, that this church really has to take a step further for us to, to last. Because we're a startup church and the money that has been given over the, in the early years by families who started the church, while it's there, it is running out. And you can only do that for so long. And we need this church to be fully supported by all the, all the congregants. And I mean, you look around and you say, oh, they got plenty of money here. No, you know what? God provides for us, but don't make any assumptions that we got plenty of money. We don't. We're just thankful that God continues to meet our needs. So anyway, we did this thing last year, and it was, I was kind of, I was kind of, I was, I was kind of, I went kind of both ways on this one, because what some of the business folks came up with a, with a model of what it cost each family at that time, this was a year ago, what it cost each family uh, to come to Renaissance Church. And I said, if you put that number out there, there are going to be some people who I know can't afford that number in their giving, even if they gave 10%, if they give 15%, they wouldn't be able to meet that number. Um, and, and they're going to feel pretty bad about it. And sure enough, we put the number out. I'll tell you what the number was. It was that the, every family at that time, and our budget's grown a little bit, but our numbers have also grown quite a bit in terms of people. But at that time, our number was like $8,000 a year. Each family member had to give in order for this church to, 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 make, to, make, uh, to make the bottom line. And sure enough, there was somebody who I hadn't seen after that happened. A few weeks passed. And I met somebody who hadn't seen the church. And I said, hey, how you doing? And I said, hey, man, I've been missing you. If I, if I just, sometimes I miss you because you sit back there and you get out of here and I don't get to see you. But in this case, I said, I miss you. He says, no. He said, we haven't been coming because we were at that chapter two thing. And, and you know, we just didn't feel like we could do $8,000 a year and didn't feel like we should come. And I said, that really disturbs me because that's not the purpose of that number. I said, you do what you can do. You don't need to even tell me what it is. You, need, you do what you can do, and you need to be there. If that's what's keeping you away, I'll come pick you up. Okay? And I meant that. And I meant that. So we have to be careful with that kind of thing, because you want to be prudent, and you want to be knowledgeable, and you want to you know, get everybody to understand. Who, but, 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 but that's the case. And certainly there are many people here who can do a whole lot more than $8,000 a year, and we realize that. So that's the point of what's going on with all this thing. And you need to understand that the Bible teaches clearly, as we saw in Proverbs, as well as in Corinthians, that there's a blessing to giving. And I want to add to this, just think what we can accomplish. Just think about what we can accomplish and, and, and the people's lives that can change. And Some of you have experienced that change. You say, you know, maybe it wasn't a dramatic this or that, but... Maybe it's a dad who loves his, his kids a little better or a, a mom and a dad who, who love each other a little more. That's a pretty dramatic change. Maybe it's affected some attitudes. That's pretty dramatic. Just think what we can accomplish. It's all part of church when done properly. It can have dramatic change. So, that's what we're to give. I didn't answer it, did I? I'm not going to. You need to answer that question. Let me show you this. i got to show you this. How, you know, how we're to do this, how we're to give, how we're to give. And here's what I'm getting at. Whenever you get a talk like this, many times there's, there's some manipulation, there's some pressure. Let me show you what the Bible teaches. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, So you must each give up your own mind 
excuse me, you must each make up your own mind so as to how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Did you get that? Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. We're to give cheerfully because we have passion about this. Because we care about this. Because we like bringing our neighbors. And we like bringing, you know, side point, but truth. You know how churches grow? You know the number one way, number one way churches grow? We believe in advertising. We do it occasionally, so forth and so forth. But you know the number way, one way churches grow? You know how that is? People coming on the arm of a friend. Number one way. So fill up your arms, folks, and bring them. All right? That's the deal. And when you feel that way, you're passionate about that. You're like, I want to make sure this place is going to be here. You know, and I'm not trying to give any kind of sob story that we're going to blow away here in the next few months or whatever, but I, I'm, not going to be, I'm not going to be unrealistic. There has to be some changes in the way we operate here financially for things to have a, a good, solid, long-term plan. So that's how we're to give. We're to give because we believe in it, because it's, we're happy, we're cheerful, not out of guilt, not out of being manipulated. You know, there's a term I want to use, because you've heard me say this maybe before. I said, we don't give out of guilt or obligation. You know what, I'm going to change that. I'm going to take the obligation off, because here's, why, here's what happened to me recently that made me think about this. Some of you are members of country clubs. Okay, I've been fortunate in my life to be a member of one or two, and am now. And uh, it's a clergy membership, in case you're worried about me making too much money. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, and I really enjoy the club. And they've got a great golf course. Great golf course. And long about Sept- uh, February, you know, when global warming was hitting and it was like 20 below, and it was like 20 below for, I think, at least three months in a row. I'm not, it felt like it, you know. And I drive by that golf course and I can't go play golf. And then I got a bill from that country club saying you your monthly dues are due. And I'm thinking, what good is this place doing me? I don't want to pay this bill. Now, don't misunderstand. In the middle of July, I will meet that bill at the door. I will have it paid in the mailbox before the before the day you know, before the day set. All right. Well, I'm excited about golf. I'm excited about what, what that the joy and the fun that brings. But in the middle of February, I'll just be honest. It was an obligation. Now you know what? It was an obligation that I met willingly. Why? Because of all the other stuff that it brings. Sometimes. So when I talk about giving, where to give cheerfully, does that mean every time I write a check or every time something comes out of my, my stock options or whatever, my giving to, to Renaissance, uh, that I'm just going to have this deliriously happy feeling and go around, ha, I gave today. I hope you will. I hope you will. But sometimes life as it is, it may not be that. That's okay. We need to stop. We need to stop. But wait a minute. What's the long-term picture here? I really appreciate what that place does. It's not an obligation, really. It's a privilege. How are we to give? We're to give cheerfully. We're to give because we're passionate about this. We like it. Like what it does. Support what it does. Last thing, very quickly. And that is very simple. Why we give. Why do we give? Again, Second Corinthians. I testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but they gave far more. One Bible says they gave out of their they gave out of their poverty, and they did it on their own free will. They begged us again and again for the gracious privilege of sharing in the gift 
for the Christians in Jerusalem. Best of all, watch this, they went far beyond our highest hopes, for their first action was to give or dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever directions God gave. They first gave themselves to God. So when we talk about this whole thing of, of am I owned or, or, or do I own it, 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 first thing is, I have to give myself to God. When I give myself to God, He's got, guess what else He has? There's my pocketbook. That was the first action they did. You know, and that's the point that we have to stop and think through here. Why do we give? Because of what Jesus gave for us. Life. Forgiveness. Eternal life. Abundant life. Because of what Jesus did for us. And I give to support something that's going to honor that and teach that and represent that in all that they do. A church, when it's properly functioning in a way that will honor God and lift up people. Just think what we can accomplish. Just think what we can accomplish. Who knows what, where we go from here. But we have to do it together. Where does that leave you? I don't know. That's something you're going to have to determine. You know, and if you know what, if you can stop and reevaluate and talk it over with your mate and say, you know, I really want to be able to do this. We need to, we need to do this. And do a, when you do a pledge card or you don't want to do a pledge card, whatever, I don't care. But, 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 but make that as a commitment between you and God and seek to do that. God's going to bless that. And you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed how God will bless that. Why? Because God, it says in the Bible, God loves a cheerful giver. He's going to bless you. You go back to Proverbs. <laughs> He'll fill your barns with grain, metaphorically speaking, of course. And I hope this one's literally, and your vats will be full. <laughs> your vats will overflow. All right, may God bless you and be a part of your heart and your life as you think through some of these things. And thanks for being here for part of this. God, we do thank you so much for the truth that we um, are able to talk about here. It's, it's not all that comfortable. And yet, God, it really should be. It's just reality. I pray for each person here. Pray that God would work in their heart. I pray more than anything else, God, that You'd work in their heart and get them to understand that they need to be Yours. They need to live. They need to, they need to trust You. And as they trust You, then, God, that they will... give themselves to you and their pocketbooks and everything else. We thank you that Jesus came and lived and died, rose again to give us life. Did that for us. You gave us the ultimate gift in Jesus. And we thank you for that. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.